Grace, mercy, and peace be to you. From God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. Five things. Five things. That sounds like a lot. You think you're going to be here forever. I don't know. I haven't preached this whole thing out yet, so we'll see how it goes. Five things. So five things come to me because, you know, it's the last Sunday of the church year and at the end of something, sometimes, I don't know if you do this or not, I hope you do, I hope you take time to reflect on what's gone before this last Sunday of the church year, to think through what has gone on, okay, and then to anticipate what is to come. The last Sunday of the church year gets us focused in on there's going to come a day, believe it or not, there's going to come a day when this world is no longer like it is. When Jesus comes again, and when he comes again, he'll make all wrongs right. He'll make it like paradise again, like the Garden of Eden. And we will live and we will reign with Jesus forever because of what he's done for us. That day is coming. That's our hope. That's our joy. Because if our hope was just in life going my way all the time, that'd be a pretty crummy hope, wouldn't it? Does anybody here have life go your way all the time? I'd just like to meet the person if you actually are. (laughs) Raise your hand a little higher. I don't see it. No? Nobody has that? So then if we put our hope and everything turned out our way, you already have enough experience to know that that's not a good hope. Right? And if your hope is somehow within our government, tee-hee-hee, if your hope is in, if I get enough money, think back to 2008, was it? So don't live for all the unstable things, but instead, how about we focus in again on what God says, where we can put our hope our joy, our life. I was up with my family this last weekend, and as I was up there in in South Dakota with with them, um, things didn't go as I had hoped or whatever. And you ever have it when you go home and you kind of fall back into your old ruts again? I did. So you think I'm self-deprecating when I'm here. You should be with me when I'm home. It's way worse than here. Okay, and then so other things happened. I'm like, oh, and I got really down. And the best part of the whole trip up to South Dakota was the flight from Chicago to Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Because there I met a 25-year-old, and her name is Molly. And she works at Larch, or Larch, she said. And it's this community where it takes those who have mental disabilities and other disabilities and puts other people working with them and just loving and serving together. And through her and through a book that she recommended to me that I read quick over the weekend... And through other experiences that I went through to see my own brokenness, I learned five things that I want to share with you which actually fit pretty well with what we have today for the last Sunday of the church year. The first of those five things is a received spirituality. Would you say that with me? Received spirituality. So we're going to talk about that as things go on. And then also what our faith or our trust does, our faith or our trust should cause us to see our need and to be grateful. So let's just try those three. I'd hate to have you forget when you leave today that you don't know the five things. Okay? So number one is receive spirituality. Number two is need. Number three is gratitude. And then the last two are just two questions I want you to learn to ask yourself over and over again. And that is, what am I facing today? And what does Jesus say about what I'm facing today? So we're going to talk about those. And as we go, we're going to go into that gospel lesson first. What am I facing today? Well, as I read this gospel lesson, 
what I see is, and there followed him, a, followed Jesus, a great multitude of the people, and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. The women of Jesus, they were following Jesus, and when they said, when Jesus says, Weep for yourselves and for your children, what were they facing? And I would say that for all of them right there at that time, they had no idea what they were facing. They had no idea what was going to be coming just 40 years after Jesus' death on the cross. So from where they are following Jesus out to the point where he would be crucified, just 40 years. Some of you here are twice that age, right? You can remember 40 years ago. Just 40 years out Jerusalem would be destroyed, leveled, raised to the ground. R-A-Z-E-D, raised down, destroyed. And the barren women would be the blessed ones. They would say to the mountains, fall on us, and to the hills, cover us, which is a reference back to the Old Testament book of Hosea. Life was going to be miserable and really bad. And so Jesus says, weep for yourselves and for your children. Tough times are coming It sounds a little bit like what we have in Hebrews chapter 12. Listen to this. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. And you see, the destruction that was coming on Jerusalem was because the people refused to hear Jesus. One of my most memorable scriptures from the gospel, I think it's Matthew 22 or 23, 37. It says this, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I long to gather you together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you would not. How many times has Jesus reached out to you and to me and we're like, no, 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 i got other things I'm thinking about right now. I've got a better way of handling this problem. Leave me alone. For all of you that don't come on a regular basis, my congregation is really shy today because you all are here. Usually they talk to me. Okay? Does that make sense? Do you ever like push Jesus away? Because I have other things I want to distract myself with today. No thanks. Don't get in my way. Don't force me to actually grapple with life and with questions that are big. I don't want that. Let me just watch four more football games today. And it's not a sin to watch football. But do I never actually think of the bigger questions in my life? Do I never actually consider what might be meaningful? And what God is pointing me to. They were refusing to hear Jesus. And there was a consequence. Jerusalem would be destroyed. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful, and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire." That's the fire that the people of God saw on Mount Sinai in the Old Testament when Moses gave them the Ten Commandments. This consuming fire of God saying, I'm going to shake it again one more time, and that's going to be when Jesus comes again. 
It's going to be shaken. And I love this Bible passage, Psalm 16, verse 8. I want you to memorize it with me. Okay? It says, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Okay? So when the shaken times come, when the crazy stuff happens, when all sorts of things happen, has your world been shaken recently? You can respond. It's okay. People on the TV and stuff, they can't hear you, so don't worry about it. Okay? Your world gets shaken. My world gets shaken. I have set the Lord always before me. Would you do that with me? I have set the Lord always before me. I have set the Lord always before me. I'm pretty persistent. I'll keep doing it until you do it. I have set the Lord always before me. I have set the Lord always before me. You know what the problem I have with my congregation? We like to leave Jesus right here. So I just live life. I'm a Christian. Everything's great. Okay? But I don't look at life through Jesus. And so I miss out on so much goodness and hope. I've said the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. I was shaken when I went up because I got into my old habits again. I was with the family. And I learned things about myself through things that happened up there. One of those things is that I find my identity from what other people think of me. And when they don't think I'm just the greatest thing ever, I get angry. Now you all smile because you're thinking, what an immature, stupid pastor. Which is right and appropriate. You should be thinking that. Okay? But I wonder how many of you are on that same level of immaturity that I am. And that instead of receiving your spirituality, instead of receiving your identity and who you are as a beloved child of God because Jesus died for you, what he said on the cross was not only, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, but he also said, it is finished. Everything that needed to be done to make you right with God was done on that cross 2,000 years ago and you and I can smile from ear to ear because we've been redeemed. We've been delivered out of that kingdom of darkness into his marvelous light. Are you living that way? Nope, I'd like to leave Jesus right here. Don't ask, him to, don't ask me to bring him out here in front. That would be hilarious and stupid, and nobody else around me does that. That's right, actually. If I'm waiting for everybody else around me to do that, I'll be waiting forever. Or I could be the initiator. I could be the one that says, you know what? I don't want to be shaken one day, and the Lord's right here. I'm going to sit him in front of me. So I remember that he's before all things, including me. Or I could just say, screw this. I'm going to be like those people in Jerusalem who say, I won't. And then the last Sunday of the church here, the last Sunday of your life, will be a pretty scary place. Mountains cover us, hills cover us. Because the wrath of God is real. And the wrath of God is coming. And you know why none of us here have to worry about the wrath of God? Because when Jesus comes and delivers us from the domain of darkness into his marvelous light, we become like Teflon. It's like when I make myself an omelet, which I know should surprise most of you. When I make myself an omelet and I spray that Pam spray on there and I crack it in, it just comes right out. That's what happens to your sins. They just fall away because of Jesus. Or you can use that same pan and don't put that Pam in there or have no Teflon, don't have that Teflon coating. 
And then when I get the eggs done, they stick, and I can't get them off. That's what happens to your sin. It just sticks to you without Jesus. Right? So I can either receive my identity from Jesus and delight and be filled with joy, or I can try and earn it by saying, do you all like me? Am I good enough? Do you like me? Am I good enough? Is this good? Do you like it today? Is this better than other pastors do? Uh, Holy cow. I've got a major comparison problem that strikes all the time. I found out that I am filled with control, I'm filled with anger, and I'm filled with comparison. I bet you there's somebody really screwed up in there that might have some of those same problems I do out there. Maybe. Maybe. Do you desperately need to stop trying to earn your way before God and just get, receive his gift and just live in the joy? Because you know when you do that, then you can live with need and gratitude. Because every day when you live in that, you get to say, hey, you know what? This is who I am. Hi, I'm not a piece of junk. I am God's beloved son, just like you are. Great to see you. Good to see you too. Boom, that feels so much better. And that's what each of us get to say unless we're not receiving our identity, but we're earning it. Because then, as Madonna says in one of the books that I've read, she says, I'm really interesting until time goes by. And then I have to do something really interesting again to be important and someone worthwhile. How many of you are living that way? I've got to do something important so I become worthwhile instead of just living in the identity Jesus freely gives me which then causes me to be really grateful because it's not about me. It's all about the one who died for me. And then I get to go and, and say, it's really funny. It's just, I think it's hilarious that when I think I'm growing in Christ, that means I'm doing better and better and better, and therefore I just don't need to call on Jesus so much. So if I'm growing in Christ, I need him less? Do you see how that makes no sense? And do you see how that's a trap we all tend to fall into? Because when I'm growing in Christ, what it means is I need him more and more. I need him when I go home so I don't keep doing the self-deprecation. I need him more and more so I don't worry about what everybody thinks of me. I need him more and more so I call on him. To grow in Christ means to grow in being dependent, not being independent. Which is the exact opposite of what you train your kids to do. You grow up to be independent. And yet in Christ, everything is flipped upside down so that you grow to be dependent on him. Right? So what I'd love for you to do this week is to go through the week saying, what am I facing? And when you go through that week saying, what am I facing? I want you to ask this question. What are the battles I'm facing? And what are the opportunities I'm facing? And the battles might be your battles with insecurity and fear, and the opinions of others, and the opportunities you might be facing are, hey, I've got four hours. I could actually shut the TV off and love my neighbor. Crazy thought. How many of you have binge-watched YouTube for more than six hours? How many of you don't tell the truth? Okay. So, so you binge watch TV forever and ever. You know what? I, whenever I got done binge watching TV or my Netflix when I had it before my wife lovingly helped me to get off of that, 
Okay, whenever I binge watch YouTube, do you know what? I never at the end of the six to, I think I watched it 12 hours straight one time. I've got problems. Okay, so I, when, I, when I get to the end, you know what I never did? I never say, I'm so glad I binge watched for all those hours. I never say that. And usually at the end of those t- six to 12 hours, I never say, you know what? I'm this new beloved child of God. Because I'm usually busy condemning myself for what I've just done and missed out on all those opportunities to love people. Which we got them all over the place, you know. We're surrounded by people who desperately... I've got a neighbor three houses down who lost her husband a few months ago. I've got a 90-some-year-old man that goes to church here, hasn't been here for a long time. His wife died in April. He said to me this week, I feel like she's only been gone a week. There's all sorts of people we can just invest in if we just open our eyes away from me. So the five things, again, are just really to help us get my identity from Jesus right there. I've set the Lord always before me so I can get my identity from him. I set the Lord always before me so I know where to turn when I have my need. I put the Lord always before me so I remember to be great to be grateful for what he's given me. I put the Lord always before me so he reminds me to ask, what am I facing today? And how will he and his promises actually impact my life for good to meet the challenges, the battles, the opportunities of today? The last Sunday of the church year refocuses us refocuses us yet again on our Savior, our preeminent Savior, our creating, sustaining, delivering, ruling, reconciling, forgiving King. The one who spoke those beautiful words of promise and hope from the throne of his cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, like when you and I choose to live in shame rather than forgiveness. When we live divided in our relationships rather than reconciled, when we follow the world's way rather than the light of Christ, when we try to earn our identity before God rather than receiving the identity Jesus freely gives us, when we seek to live strong rather than boasting in our weaknesses and our need, when we forget to thank the one who continues to sustain and strengthen and fill us with joy. Is your focus today on your preeminent king, the one with whom you will live and you can receive your identity in Jesus? the one with whom you can see your constant need and be thankful for his provision, the one with whom you can ask the question, what am I facing today? The one with whom you can ask the follow-up question, what do his promises, will, and faithfulness mean as I face life? I'm trying, but more I'm just repenting and asking that God would help me to always set the Lord before me because he is at my right hand I will not be shaken. Amen.